passion, purpose, or paychecks? That's the question. That's question number one. And it's a big question. It's a massive question. And it's definitely not one that's going to be answered by the end of this conversation. But it's one that I thought was important to at least start with because I feel like there's a push and pull across all three, at least in my in my day-to-day life, of like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, how do I know what I'm supposed to be doing? How do I define it uh, when it comes to purpose? What does it mean to be passionate about something? Am I truly passionate about the things that I'm doing? And then, I mean, we live in a society where paychecks are really important, um, not in terms of just appearance or looking one way or being able to flex, but just to maintain a good quality of life. You have to have, you have to make a certain amount um, to be able to to live your day-to-day life in a way that, you know, you're not, you don't feel like you're struggling or suffering or not having a good time. So that's why I thought this question was really important to start with. We're going to have three really dope conversations around what's the most important. Uh, full disclosure, I don't even know, like for myself, what I would pick when it comes to all three of these. I, I think I would, I would go back and forth between uh, passion on purpose in terms of just ranking them. But sometimes, man, I also really care about the bag. So I don't know. Um, that's why I'm excited to talk to other people, you know, see what they think and, and see what you think when you listen to this episode. So with that being said, let's hop into it. This is the very first episode that we're recording with another guest. Uh, when I was thinking about, you know, starting this podcast, I was like, who can I have as the first guest? Because you know what the first guest, it really just sets the tone. You know what I mean? You have to get, you got to get someone with impact. You know, you got to get someone who's powerful, you know, who has a following on the gram, someone that people will call an influencer. So when I was thinking about, you know, who to get on this, this first episode and based on the topic that we're talking about, I thought back to someone that I've known from from university so shout out to Carlton University in Ottawa I actually remember the very first time that I met this person I don't know if they remember but I think it was in Dunton Tower there was a a meeting for an entrepreneurship center under the students association we were both at that meeting Uh, I think we just had a, a really casual conversation first time we really chatted I knew who she was I think she knew who I was at the time but we never really spoken face to face fast forward a few months um, I was planning a presentation for a leadership conference that we have at the university every year. And I reached out, I said, hey, do you want to co-present? We had a meeting about it. And then a couple months later, we were running uh, on the same team for student, the student association. So for anyone who's going to be a frequent listener of the podcast, um, I'll be talking a lot about my experience going through the student association with the opportunity to, to be president for a year. She ended up being one of my vice presidents. Then the year after, she she ran a coup, she overthrew my government and she became she became the president of the students association um, post graduation. You know, I graduated. I got into a, a fellowship program and moved to Toronto. She, after a year, graduated. You know, got into a fellowship program, moved to Toronto. So you can see there's a trend. You know, there's a theme of following in the footsteps of the people who come before you. Um, but I'm super excited to introduce the first guest on the Life IQ podcast. Lily Akabusu. Welcome, Lily. It's a pleasure to have you. Wow. Thank you, David. I honestly had no idea I was the first guest. I mean, I figured I was one of the first. Come on. But (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. And uh, for anyone listening, I I definitely didn't pay David to gas me up. Um, But I think I do a better job when I'm gassing him up. (laughs) 
No, nah, that's just that's just the vibe I'm on. I I think the the whole show I, I wouldn't be on this vibe of being an ultimate hype man. And, and you know, Lily, when when one of your companies goes public, I hope you just remember you remember this moment, um, and you reach out to me to do the same thing for you at that moment. Uh, I don't need to remember. I think we're constantly creating new memories. And honestly, as you rightly said, in some ways, I've followed your footsteps. Um, but I wouldn't say just followed. I've I've been inspired by. The things you've done, the many things and the things you're going to do. So um, you're a safe leader to follow. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I appreciate that. So Lily, how's life? Like, you know, what's what's going on? Tell us a little bit about, you know, your life and, and things that are going on right now. Man, life is good. Um, I mean, I want to start by saying when you hit me up for the recording today and I said, okay, as far as it's not too early, you're like, sure, 11 a.m. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I is guess that, that's not too early. Not early? <laughs> I mean, it's not, but like on a Saturday when you're trying to chill, um, you know, it, it messes mm. with the schedule a bit, but life is great. I'm super thankful, feeling blessed. Um, I think back to a few years before when I was in the student life grind and just how Every day was such, you know, a big game. Like there were too many things mm-hmm. in your to-do list, um, too many ideas in your head, um, just so many places you needed to be. And I think to now how much life has sort of slowed down. Um, and sometimes I challenge myself to say life hasn't slowed down. I've just chosen to pick up a slower pace. And it's important to recognize that um, true reflection. I think that I've tried to find ways to thrive during this pandemic. Um, and I couldn't be more thankful for the opportunity to just do that because I think it comes with a lot of privilege. And I'm really, really enjoying this present moment, even though I, I seek for better days. But yeah, to your mm. point, life, life is great. I'm thankful. Yeah, I, I 100% agree on the point of the contrast between student life and current i guess you could say adult life the biggest i think one of the biggest changes for me and one of the things that i appreciate the most about not being in school is the fact that you have two full days over the weekend to essentially do whatever you want um and since leaving university some of those weekends is just me in bed doing absolutely nothing um watching netflix and just getting my energy back up some of the weekends you know when we could be out and about was just meeting people or going to a cottage or you know, going back to Ottawa for a weekend. And then one of the ones that I've appreciated the most is recently just being able to dedicate two days to a personal project or a side project that has nothing to do with my my regular job throughout the weekdays. So how have you been balancing that? Like, I know, obviously, we'll talk about a little bit of the things that you're doing on the side, but how do you break down how you're spending those free days on the weekends? Yeah, so I think as a society, we're just moving towards this trend of thinking more about how much impact you can create with time. For instance, a lot of jobs might have the typical nine to five schedule. um, But at the end of the day, no one is saying, hey, you gave this like 12 hours of your day, you gave this 14 hours. It's like, this is the amount of impact you were able to create in that time. And so when I think of my week, I try not to segment them into five working days in a week to days in the weekend to chill, I try to have a bit of both every day. Um, because as gory as it sounds, I, if I were to pass away tomorrow, I wouldn't want to say, oh, I, I worked throughout tomorrow, or I was just chilling on my couch throughout tomorrow. I would want to have a typical day. So um, every day I, I find the time to do some work, um, not because I think that 
um, work is the most important thing in life, but I find true um, value in the work that I do. And so whatever that looks like, I try to make sure I'm doing part of that work because I see it as my life's work. And I also think that rest is one of the most revolutionary things. And, you know, when we're navigating a lot of problems in society, rest is a form of resistance. Well, I'm really glad that you, you mentioned work life, like I said before. Uh, that's really, you know, what the meat of this, this episode is all about. Every episode, we're going to be diving into uh, a governing question and then talking about a bunch of different themes that could fall under that question. And our question for this episode is passion, purpose, or paychecks. So passion, purpose, or paychecks, essentially digging into our work lives and asking the question of what's the primary motivator there? What's the thing that drives us? So Lily, if I were to ask you, you know what, passion, purpose, or paychecks when it comes to maybe your job or when it comes to back pocket your business, how would you answer that question? And I don't expect that you're going to have a one word answer because you're Lily. So I'm really excited to, to hear what you have to say about this. Wow. I think it's a, it's a never ending question that we ask ourselves. And that answer changes depending on the points we are in life for some. And for others, it's more consistent. For me, I'd say it really comes down to how I've come to define the three different terms. Um, for me, passion is not something that is always there. That's why sometimes people lose their passion and sometimes you find your passion again or you do things to nurture your passion. So that's really what it's been for me. Um, it's not been one static thing. And although I've been consistently intentional about certain things and I've consistently held on to certain feelings and emotions, um, I've seen those changes within me. In regards to purpose, this one is very interesting because some might argue you choose your purpose. Um, but I think that we only know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. And so as we continuously get exposed to the world around us, um, what we consider our purpose might change. And a good example of that is I, I grew up in Nigeria. I moved here when I was 17. And in terms of the things that I thought my future would hold, in as much as like it was still based off my definition of success, it looked very different. Um, and now that I'm in a different point in life, I'm in a different country, I'm building um, a different stage of my life, the things that I dream of look a bit different. And to your point in paychecks, I've never seen paychecks as an end goal, to be honest. It's always just been um, a means. But in as much as I say that, I don't just use that attitude when I think about my work life. I try not to see it as a means. I try to see it as my duty and um, my current goal in the sense that this would inform a lot of other things. And in a way, like money helps us um, get, I guess, opportunity sometimes and helps us pursue our passions and helps us in building ourselves to take on our purpose. So I think it's, I think that aspect is very important, although it's not the end goal in itself. So altogether, I would say every single piece there from passion, purpose, potential, um, actually passion, purpose, and paychecks. Funny that I said potential, but passion, purpose, because really that's what it, it helps you build that potential for the next step. Um, so if you had to, if you had to, let's say, I'm going to put you in a little bit of a box here. Um, sure. And I say, 
current day right now, like which one yeah. is the most important? And you can even do a sliding scale. Maybe you do like yeah. X percentage, passion, X paychecks, X purpose. How would you break that down? Current day. Oh, it's very intuitive for me. Purpose comes first, always. Mm. Passion second and paychecks third. Um, purpose because I think regardless of where I am in life, um, I will always be looking to do something. I, I, I don't remember having days where I was just like chilling and thinking um, of now and never really thinking about like, okay, but what am I meant to be doing? Where am I meant to go? Like, I feel like we're constantly on a journey, whether we choose to move or we're being moved. It's like, you're on a train and hey, whether you like it or not, that train is moving. But sometimes you're mm. running, which means you're actively going towards your goal, your destination, your purpose. So whether we make that conscious decision or not, we're forced to be on the move. We're forced to be in motion. So I think purpose will always come first. No, that's good. I, I think I, I resonate with that. Um, you know, I resonate with that a lot. And I and you know, the thing is when I was actually writing this episode, um, I took a guess. Was like, I guess I'm guessing that Lily's, you know, priority is going to be <laughs> purpose. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty hyped that that's how it shook out for you. Mm-hmm. And then my question for you is, what would you say is your purpose? And for anyone listening, like, how do you go about defining your purpose? Because personally, that's something that I don't think I've been able to nail down just yet. Like, I don't have in a journal somewhere my life's purpose. And I have this one sentence or thesis that I think encapsulates that. So when it comes to you personally, what, what do you think your purpose is? But also if you do, you know, if you do know what it is, how did you get to the point where you're like, okay, this is how I can define it. I think to some degree, I'm still unraveling sets and pieces and trying to curate um, all the different ideas I have of what my purpose is. But I believe one thing that's for sure is I want to give people opportunity to lead their lives. And I say lead their lives because I think that that leadership starts with you. Oftentimes when we're thinking of impact or doing something great in society, we're thinking about an external thing. But most of the work is actually internal because if everyone takes that approach, there will be little or no need to make that external action. So for me, I found that if I can give people the tools, the resources, or the opportunity really to become leaders themselves in whatever way that might look like for them, then I've really, really leave my purpose. And the reason that I've decided to commit to that is because I don't need permission to do that. And I've always been able to do that Um, from being um, just a classmate in say elementary school. I'm just being able to like help your peers in little ways and subtle ways or in university, helping your friends um, fit their own passions, taking uh, advantage of leadership opportunities, helping people edit their resumes um, or being in the workplace and the work that I do Um, with our clients, I feel like I'm constantly able to pour into someone else's life and really help them develop themselves or really help them uh, leverage an opportunity. And I think that is what I'll do for the rest of my life. However, in the ways that I'll do it, I think they could vary. And I'm excited to explore those pathways. Yeah, that's just a subtle plug. Lead without permission. Um, that's uh, that's a room that that Lily has started on Clubhouse. I think the numbers have been going up. Last time I checked, it, it was like over five hundred. I don't know. Do you have a more exact uh, number of how many people are in that room? 
yeah, I could pull it off. Uh, it's a club I formed a few weeks ago. Uh, we're sitting at eight, 863 members. Come on, man. Come on. Yo, if you're not on Clubhouse yet, let Lily know. She probably has 15 invites sitting in her pocket, in her back pocket, I'll say. Oh, um, my. I also have some invites. I have like eight. I'm not that big on Clubhouse yet, but um, if you need to get access, hit me up. I'll toss you an invite. Um, but I think, man, that idea of leading without permission is so powerful um, because I think oftentimes what we do is we wait for this big unraveling or some sort of higher power to send us a sign or show us a message of what our purpose is or this specific aha moment where we go through this discovery and we're like, oh my gosh, I had this dream and now I know my purpose is. But the point that you make is powerful. Stepping into it before it even happens, maybe a form of manifesting it and then mm-hmm. using that to ultimately define what the purpose is. Um, super powerful and, and something that I 100% agree with. Coming up next, Lily retells the origin stories of her business Back Pocket, a new platform that's going to change the way we gift in 2021 and moving forward. Also, we both share experiences that are symbolic of neglecting paychecks in pursuit of purpose. Stay tuned. So I want to switch gears a little bit. We've kind of set the groundwork for what work life is. We've got into this question of passion, purpose, or paychecks a little bit. Um, I'm curious to understand, you know, the story behind your business back pocket. Um, because for me, like when I think about starting a business, and I think that's something I want to do um, later in life. But you know, taking a step back, maybe three to five years ago, for me, it was always like I want to start a business to secure the bag and not have to work again, <laughs> buy a cottage, get get my mom a car, whatever the case may be. Um, and I think as I've kind of matured a little bit and grown older, I've realized there's so many different reasons or end goals for starting a business. Um, so I want to hear the specific story of back pocket, um, how it came to be, you know, why you started it and what you're hoping for the future. I guess we can just start with, you know, what's back pocket? Why'd you start it? Fast. All right. So back pocket is the fun and easy way to gift. And currently we do that through a quiz that takes users through a seamless experience uh, that ultimately culminates in a recommendation of the perfect gift they should get for whoever it is. And although that is what back pocket is today, I think that the way we're solving that problem of gifting will continue to change because in this society, you have to continuously adapt um, to whatever we're becoming. And so I'm actually excited to know what Back Pocket looks like a few years from now. Um, but to your point and how it started, it actually started um, in a summer where my family visited. And, you know, I made reference to my parents earlier and they're like fully based in Nigeria, but myself and my siblings were here and I have a sibling in the U.S., but it was the first time in a long time that my nuclear family was together. And that meant something because it's just been a while. And, you know, I went to boarding school in Nigeria, so I'd lived out of home for since I was 12, basically. And so just having that experience was really, really cool. And I thought about how it was important for everyone to experience that time to, with family. So I came up with this idea around vacations and this B2B solution. And while I was working through it, while I was in that validation process to really see if this was a problem that I should be solving, I had this conversation with 
at the time, our general manager at CUSA, I, I believe I was asking him a few questions and there was something he Wait, said. So, so were you, so were you working, <laughs> like, were you working on CUSA stuff or were you working on back? No, no, no. I was, I was in the CUSA office, but I was having a random conversation with the oh, GM. Okay. So it was, yes. it was, it was in office hours at the time. It wasn't, let's hope it was in office hours. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was having this chit chat with Travis and there was something he said that really stuck. I don't even remember what it was to be honest, but I know. Mm. I left that conversation and I was thinking to myself, I said, gifts right from time immemorial, like there's always been some level of gifting. It's such a consistent habit among humans. As long as relationships exist, gifting will exist. And again, it comes in different forms, but I found that as, as human beings, we feel that need or that desire or that wanting to give something to someone else um, without asking for something in exchange. And yeah. so I said, my mandate with this business or with this idea is actually to foster relationships. And I'm going to do that by solving the problem about gifting. So while people on the surface might think, oh, well, Backpocket is just about gifts. For me, it's never been about gifts. It's been about relationships. And so although it started from this very different idea that had to do with vacations and travel and family it was able to evolve to actually executing something completely different for gifting because the mandate behind it was not about buying gifts. It was really about how I can nurture relationships. And I think it connects to my first point on purpose and passion. Um, because for me, it wasn't just the way to make money. It was when I was validating it, I'm like, okay, well, I guess this can make money. And the goal of every business yeah. is to make money. So I hope that answers your question. No, that's that's a really dope answer. It's I mean, I've heard the story before, but it, it's great to hear the story. <laughs> um, now that, you know, Backpocket is a real product that's in the world. Um, the site is up. People are using the platform. Um, so that's really cool. What's what's what have you found is the easiest part about starting your business and what have you found to be the most difficult? Well, I think the easiest part is you're doing things on your own terms and Again, I think that connects to my life in general because ultimately I've just always felt the need to um, lead myself through things. And when you have a business, you really are leading that experience. Um, but at the same time, it teaches you something important about humility. I've heard people say titles are not important. So I've never really introduced myself as CEO of Backpocket or this or that. I just say I'm the founder. And that's mm. because I think that ultimately my bosses are the clients. They're the ones who dictate what actually happens. So it teaches you how to lead with humility. And again, it's the easiest part for me because when you recognize that you, the, your leaders are actually the clients, it actually reduces the pressure from you because you're not actively thinking, oh my goodness, um, what do I need to do? In, in in the you know in the opposite manner you're actually just actively listening what do they need me to do and i feel like that approach makes things easier in terms of the difficulty i think it's just willing to fail yeah. and being willing to put yourself in a position where you can fail is very interesting because we love to tell great stories we love to tell success stories and so we try to ride within lines of comfort and we try to make safe decisions but with business risk is always involved and while you can try to mitigate risk factors you still need to be willing to do things even in yeah. the smallest ways and i'll give a great example of that 
when I was about launching Back Pockets, I knew I had to get a number of vendors or merchants uh, who would be willing to have me um, put up their products in our inventory so that when we're recommending gifts, we're not just recommending random products, but we have a curated list of items within our system. And you know, I said, I was just going to approach a couple of businesses, see what they say, get them on the site. I wasn't going to take a dollar from them. And uh, a friend of mine said, hey, for you to actually close a transaction, there should be a financial transaction involved. You don't just want to go to businesses and say, hey, well, I mean, this thing's free for you. Come on. Right. And he said, challenge yourself, like see if they will be willing to pay for you to actually onboard them to this platform, because ultimately it's for their benefits. Because if you have that initial capital from them, you're actually able to build out the platform more effectively to attract users that at the end of the day will benefit these vendors. And for me, that was a risk because imagine if I reached out to a business and they said, no, like, ah, it's kind of, it kind of sucks or it makes me feel like I'm failing. Right. But I had to say, well, this is a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah. And honestly, it was one of the best pieces of advice I got because it happened so fast. Um, within the first month, I was able to onboard, um, I think, like 30 merchants. And my goal was just like 25. And they were willing to pay um, for that service. And it just really changed my perspective on taking those risks and you know, pushing myself to do things that I may not be as comfortable with, but when I rationalize them, they make sense. And ultimately, they just don't benefit me, but they're actually useful for the people themselves. Yeah. I think the other thing that what that that you get from, um, for this specific example, getting your vendors to pay some sort of licensing fee or onboarding fee to use the platform, is it really does show like a confidence and a validation in the idea. One thing that I've learned um, working in sales is that Human mentality is that anything that's free is not as valuable as something that you put something down for. So mm. by getting those people to pay, even if it's, you know, a hundred dollars or one fifty to get onto this platform, it's like, this is something that I'm investing in. Um, and like it or not, they now have an invested interest in your platform succeeding. So um, that's a really cool story. I'm glad you got that advice. The other thing I wanted to talk about was the fear of failure, because I think that's something that's so relevant, especially for people who are in the stage of life that we are. Um, School is such a, I think it's such a safety net. It's such a cocoon where Mm -hmm. if you fail in school, you fail a class, you know what comes next. You have Mm -hmm. to take it again to pass. uh, And then you have to finish all your credits to graduate. Um, But once you're out of that space and you fail, you have, (laughs) you have no clue what's going to come next. You can fail by losing your job. You're like, Will I find another job, especially in the way the economy is right now and the pandemic and all those different things? But one way that I've chosen to look at failure is just another opportunity to learn and to grow. And I think now is the time for us to take those risks and not be afraid to fail because, you know, five, 10 years down the line, maybe for you, two years down the line, when children are introduced to the situation, <laughs> I'm just playing, I'm just playing. Uh, but, but eventually when, you know, a lot of people are looking to start their own families, um, then it's, you know, risk is not really something that, that you can afford to, to take as much. Um, but yeah, I really, I really like, you know, all the things that you said there in terms of just working on your own terms, uh, having total control. Um, and then, you know, always cool to hear the stories of the early days of Back Pocket. 
If you aren't following at LifeIQ Podcast on Instagram, it's not too late. You can open up Instagram right now. Yeah, open it right now. Search at LifeIQ Podcast. Hit that blue follow button, like a couple posts, and share the profile with at least five friends. Be a real one. Now, back to the episode. Uh, essentially, what we're going to do is just give a really short shout out to someone who has been maybe a very important part of your journey in respect to your work life, or maybe a recent interaction that you've had that's top of mind for you and has been uh, impactful, or they you know shared some knowledge that you'll continue to take away. So um, I can go first. Yeah. Just give my give my little shout out. I'm gonna give a shout out to Travis because um, you you brought him up and um, and I it just I just thought about him a little bit. Travis, for anyone who's listening, was the general manager when we worked at the Students Association. So uh, the executives pretty much we pretty much had autonomy to make a, a bunch of decisions. Um, but under the association, we had 11 full time staff members, and then we had a lot of part time staff, which would be people working in you know the student bar or the cafe, things like that. And then the general manager, Travis, in this case, uh, was the head of the full-time staff. And for us, both of us coming in, we were first-time executives. And I think he really had like a, a fatherly role in uh, in our executive experience. So early on, you can imagine, much like anyone starting a new job, it was kind of hard to figure things out. You have people who've done the position before you who you look up to and admire and look like they could just handled everything with such ease and grace. And that's ultimately the kind of person you want to be as you grow into that role. And I think Travis um, was just amazing in terms of lending that support when it came to the workplace. He was a really great friend as well. So sending texts of encouragement and things like that, um, but also just giving advice that was applicable outside of a CUSA landscape. I think in the association, you have a, a tendency to just really focus on everything happening in CUSA and at Carleton. Um, but he was really great in terms of big picture um, and offering some advice that I've taken into workplaces since then. So I don't even know if he's going to listen. I'll probably try to send him this <laughs> clip, but a big shout out celebrating your life. Travis, you're an amazing guy. I'm sending you love. That's really dope. Um, what's so funny is I try to keep Travis updated with the things that I do. I remember when I got my job, you know, my first job, I sent him a text. When I was yeah. going to Toronto, I sent him a text. When I launched yeah. back pocket, same, I got into net. So I think to your point, um, he he's held it down and it just shows how important these relationships are. And oftentimes they extend beyond um, the sphere where we experience or work with the people. My shout out will be to my sister, Rosabelle. And I generally appreciate her. We're not the kind of siblings that are very like mushy or like overly emotional or anything like that. Um, I mean, we're friends, but you know, we don't do all that lovey lovey <laughs> type energy. But she's what? You know, I mean, I why think, not? you know. Why not? Why Man, not? It's just the way we love up, energy. You know, when you're when you're with the streets. <laughs> um, but honestly, I I know I'm I'm gonna the way I I hope I raise my children to have that energy. I think it's a it's a beautiful thing. Um, and as much as we've survived um, with the tough love, I I think soft love is also important. But anyway, I I give that shout out to her because she's been one of the most consistent supports I've had in my adult life and. Honestly, it's funny because 
my parents, um, I guess, sent her to school in Canada, not just because of herself, like not just because they wanted a great future for her, but they felt like she'll be able to support me. And from, I think, an early age, my parents have always recognized that I need that kind of support. And I shared it with a few people. My unofficial middle name is Azuma, which means good back. And what it intuitively means, yeah, is that you have support. And I've seen this to be true in every area of my life. I've always found support, which is why I could shout out to a thousand people and it'll be genuine, it'll be authentic. But again, to that point, my sister has just been there um, and in every way possible from, you know, helping with meal prep when I can't to... Um, just, I don't know, like Ubering me for last minute things or helping me do my hair or my makeup or boring clothes, you know, I, you know, and just in all the little ways you think are so irrelevant, but have really just made my life a thousand times easier and made me a lot more prepared for every single opportunity that I've had. Um, so she's the one she's. I think to a large extent, um, the reason why I've been fortunate to have a very like healthy life and a great mental health, um, because I know like when I come back home in the event, there's someone I can run to. And um, I've just been so happy to have that relationship with her. If you've had a chance to connect with Lily, um, this girl, like, when it just comes to speech making and storytelling is, is just elite, um, just just built different in that respect. Um, but built in a segment to the podcast called Storytime, because I, I really just love sharing my experiences uh, and my stories. So the one that I'm going to share usually will be specific to the theme of, of what we're talking about. So, you know, if we're talking about paychecks, maybe share a story about the biggest commission <laughs> check I made or, or whatever the case may be. But yeah. this one's very specific to the guest, very specific to Lily. Oh and, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> and it actually goes back to, I feel like, you know, I don't want this to become like, you know, a ex QSA executive podcast, but there's just so many experiences from that, I guess, year and almost year and a half, if you count elections, um, mm-hmm. that, that just, there's just so many things that happen uh, in that time frame. But I remember one of the days of campaigning, um, it was just not a good day. Like, we're super tired. Um, you know, we're not, we're feeling like, you know, we're not, we might not be able to, to get the win. And Lily, I don't even know what you did. I don't know what you did like the night before. I don't know if you went out. I don't know if you did a crazy workout, but Lily shows up just physically not in a, not in a good place. Like this girl is, I remember specifically Lily told me, I feel like I'm going to die. I was like, (laughs) I, I don't know if you remember Lily, but I was like, I was like, yo, Lily, it's not worth it. Like, it's <laughs> like, Lily's, this is, this is student politics at Carleton University. Like there's 27,000 people here. Like Lily, if your life is on the line, please just go arrest. This girl said no. So me and Lily started in the atrium together at like 830 in the morning. And we're asking people like, you know, did you vote? Did you vote? Whatever people are, some people are saying, yeah, high five. Some people are telling us to screw off in a, in a much meaner way. But Lily's like. On the edge of the atrium, holding the stairs, holding her hip, and is like can't even stand up straight. Like this girl is like bent over, like an old lady asking people if they voted. And I'm looking at this girl like, yo, it's actually not that deep. Like, 
like you could go drink some water, get some vitamins, rest for like two hours and get yourself in better shape and come back out. And every time I would go and check in on, on Lily, it was just like, no, like I'm okay. I'm in pain, but it's fine. And just kept going. And I remember looking at you like, I don't understand why, like she's so headstrong on, on not, you know, taking a break or even sitting down. I remember I was like, yo, let me get you a chair to sit down. You would sit down for a little bit and then you stand back up. You'd be back at the stairs. Um, and I was just like, man, mad respect to this girl. And the most important thing there is that, you know, not to make this too metaphorical, but I think in life, especially in our work lives, uh, very early on when we're trying to make an impact, whether in our workplaces or in our communities, there's going to be those days that are a lot harder than other days where you don't really feel like doing anything. You feel super tired. You feel super down. Maybe, you know, the week before has just been a, a heavy weight on your shoulders. Um, but having the ability to push through and ultimately get to those days where you are celebrating, you know, coming out on top. So in our case, celebrating winning those positions and getting into office and having a year to impact other other students' lives. Um, I think the character that you show up with in those harder days really defines how you can push through those situations. Um, but yeah, I mean, being in office with you was crazy. Like, I feel like there's so many stories, but that's one that I'm literally never going to forget. Because I remember you saying like, yo, I feel like I'm going to die. And I was thinking to myself, like, if I felt like I was going to die, <laughs> I'd be in the ER. I wouldn't be on these, yeah, I wouldn't be in these hallways campaigning for this position. Um, but, you know, that's just respect. Oh, I, no, thank you. I appreciate you remembering that. I know sometimes people say the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. I don't think that's always true. But for me, I know, like, whenever I have the opportunity to do something, I want to feel like I really made the most of it. So maybe in those moments, that's something that's kept me going just because I feel like, am I really doing my best right now? Like, and the question though is, did I die? No. <laughs> so I worked. No, that's actually it. fine. She goes, did I die? <laughs> yeah, she, she didn't die clearly. Uh, she's here and she's thriving, but. Up next, we wrap up our conversation with some life lessons. Is there anything that you've learned yourself through experience that you would like to share that you know you think might be a guiding light for some people yeah man i feel like i'm definitely learning every day and one thing that's been helpful is just building frameworks for myself i find that when we seek inspiration from books podcasts or we're just looking things up online um, we tend to try to use templates people have created um, to basically help our lives and the reason why it doesn't always work or it doesn't always stick is because we don't customize it for ourselves so I've learned to be more critical of what I consume in the sense that while I might expose myself to a ton of knowledge I always take the time to think about how it applies to me and my situation um, so that's been one thing for sure the second piece I think is just learning to be patient and to my point earlier about the fact that we're always in motion, whether we like it or not, whether you choose to rest or actively move, you're going to keep being moved. And I think with that perspective, I've adopted a mentality of just being patient because you will get there somehow. Um, you might get there faster or slower, but eventually you will get there if you're meant to get there. Um, something that's in the pathway will just not disappear because you're on the way. So I've learned to give myself that patience and 
you know, it's important because if you're not patient with yourself, you might develop an imposter syndrome or you might get certain things and feel like you don't deserve it or you might get certain things and feel like you're not um, up to the capacity or then the opposite, you might just become very arrogant with certain opportunities, but really practicing um, just taking your time with some things and just growing organically is so healthy. Um, but overall, I would say that the last piece connects to everything, which is just learning to be open to failure in every and any area of my life, learning to fail fast, fail often, because ultimately it's the best teacher of success and it's failing with little things, um, you know, and it's accepting that it's okay to do that. And so if I have that willingness to fail, it means that when I try to apply this frameworks, I don't think that I will always be right, but I go into situations with that confidence. Um, but at the same time, that's humility to say that this may not go the way that I want. And as I navigate that experience, I learn to apply patience through it all. And I think that's honestly the beauty of, of being in our 20s. Like you said, I don't think anyone has written a perfect formula that you can apply you can copy paste to your life and it, it makes you successful or it makes you happy or, you know, it solves all your problems. Um, I think the biggest teacher is trying it yourself. Um, as much as you can listen to, you know, this podcast, you can listen to other <laughs> podcasts and watch videos. There's nothing that's going to teach you like experience itself. So being unafraid of failing or maybe not unafraid, but being accepting of failure. Yes. Um, and then using it as a learning and a growth experience, propelling that into, you know, into whatever success or whatever dreams or goals or purpose or paycheck that you want to acquire, um, mm -hmm. I think is like the place to start. So really dope. I think overall, you just shared some some nuggets. I feel like every time I talk to you, Lily, I learn <laughs> something new uh, or I feel some sort of inspiration. Um, I think you should definitely look into setting up some merch just putting some of these <laughs> phrases on some some shirts i'll promo it um i can find maybe a supplier we can go in 50 50 split the profits get a paycheck i don't know what do you think man you're too nice with it um we'll see <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you first you first i'll, I'll definitely get a tlikup merch if there's one so oh did me too oh. you know i you know i always follow you so if you start <laughs> facts that's true all right well i might put merch on the list of things to do but um overall i mean another great conversation with lily uh again change maker um pace setter um business starter clubhouse room host yo if you're not on clubhouse i'm telling you i'll be at work just be like on a call at 1 30 lily lily's in a room with this 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 and this person i'm like bro how does Lily does eight rooms a day. Man, I mean, I know it's a bit of a hype there. Um, I'm, I to be fair, like I'm not always on Clubhouse, but I think the reason why I shared it with people in my life like pretty quickly, and I was quite enthusiastic about the platform, is because it really does give that opportunity. I talk about, you know, when I say I feel like um, a personal mandate for me is really helping people like lead their lives without permission. I found mm -hmm. that on Clubhouse. 
there's no such thing as, hey, because you're a celebrity, you can create a room, but I can't. It really does level the playing field in a way that other platforms are not able to, and it really does give people access. Um, so that's what I love about the platform. And I know with everything else, it might change. So I want to turn into this moment and make sure yeah. that we're leveraging it while it's still fresh and you know we still have that opportunity. Leading without permission. What a great takeaway and really my biggest takeaway from this conversation. The concept of not waiting for a pass or a green light to lead your life. And whether that's rooted in your purpose or your passion or your paychecks, that's really up to you. What was your biggest takeaway? Let me know through the DMs at Life IQ Podcast. Thanks for listening. All love.